0: Hello, and welcome to episode 86 of the Pitcher Bet Sports podcast. We're back remote. Matt's back in Vegas. I'm not in the icebox. I'm in my normal studio here in my house. And we've got a a ton of freaking news to go over here in sports. We had a monumental two days since we've recorded. We're recording today. It's Wednesday, uh, February 2nd, not 4th. Uh, We have Brian Flores sued the NFL with alleged racism, malpractice, tampering. We'll get into all that and why I think Brian Flores made the right move. And hopefully he has the right amount of evidence to back up all these claims that he said. Also, Jimmy G came out yesterday in his press conference in San Francisco and thanked the fans and basically said, hey... I'm expecting the team to move on from me, trade me, and start with Trey Lance, which you know makes complete sense. They drafted him in the top five this past year. So we're going to talk about our two favorite landing spots for Jimmy Garoppolo next season. Then go over a little bit of Major League Baseball and where they're at in their discussions over their lockout and the strike for the players. It seems inevitable that they're not going to start spring training on time. So Matt's got some pretty good insight for us there. And then lastly, the Phoenix Suns last night were the first team in the NBA to hit 50 games with 41 wins so I got a lot I want to say about the Suns and their quest to get back to the NBA title and specifically Chris Paul and Devin Booker let's run that music baby What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Matt Guest. With me, as always, is Matt Morris. Glad to see you made it back on your drive down the coast safely back to Vegas. Man, how are you doing? I'm a lot warmer, though, than I was in the icebox a couple nights ago. Yeah, it's still cold. It's still (laughs) cold in this house. 100%, dude. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to talk
1: about the news today, man. I think there's a lot going on. I have kind of a wild card for our boy Flores. Um, I think there could be some some opportunity in the league. Uh, the Raiders, as we talked about last episode, to get their head coach football, even though we're getting towards the Super Bowl, a lot of news. And I expect over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see more of it. Right. We had Brady officially retire yesterday. Uh, got yeah. to come out on his own. We'll find probably out about Rogers. We have the Pro Bowl this week here in Vegas. So we're expecting to have a lot of the athletes in town. But overall, excited to just talk about a little basketball as well today, too.
0: Yeah, man. And let's just dive right into the Flores situation. So I have my notes here. So this is exactly what he is alleging happened to him. um, And he is basically citing as all these three different teams and different events that has transpired with three organizations um, was due to systemic racism. So that's what he's going to present to the table for the NFL. And you and I have been talking about it before I get into the details of exactly what he's alleging these three teams of doing of where's Jim Caldwell, right? We've been banging the drum like these teams with young quarterbacks in a really good defense, go hire Brian Flores. So I mean, I'm in a Agreement with him when it comes to it's kind of ridiculous that there is one head coach that's black in the nfl but these alleged incidents are definitely carrying a lot of weight and there's going to be repercussions if there are some factual information uh with the my so it's with the miami dolphins denver broncos and the new york giants are the three teams that he's basically taking to court here with the nfl Um, so basically the dolphins, I think not that any of these are more severe or less severe, but there's just more being written about and alleged with the dolphins. First and foremost, the owner apparently offered Brian Flores a hundred thousand dollars. For every single loss in 2019, basically encouraging him to tank, which then would have brought you Joe Burrow as the number one pick in the draft in 2019. We all see how that's working. We're going to talk about him all next week during Super Bowl week, so that would have been a good pick, but still encouraging the coach to openly tank is insane. Also, it's coming out on Twitter they said that in the report, it says that he set up a meeting with a predominant quarterback. They didn't name the quarterback on a yacht in the offseason of 2020. Um, the rumors are coming out that that quarterback was Tom Brady, who Flores did have a relationship with in New England. And Flores then got off the yacht and didn't agree to the meeting. And then last, they fired him this year kind of for no reason, right? They had a really good season, an underperforming team that actually ended up going above 500. They won, I think, either eight or their last nine or nine or their last 10. Had an awesome year at the end of the year. Then, in Denver, the year that he was um, interviewing to be the Dolphins coach, he is alleging that John Elway and basically Denver Brass showed up to the meeting hung over and didn't take the meeting seriously. And basically, that's what he was saying is they didn't give him any shot at an interview. It was a formality because of the Rooney rule. And the same thing with the New York Giants. The text came out, the screenshots from Bill Belichick saying, hey, I heard you got the New York Giants job. And he said, oh, I'm actually not interviewing until Thursday. And Bill Belichick said, oh, shit, my bad. I actually meant to send that to Brian Dayball, not Brian Flores. So once again, another kind of misuse of the Rooney rule and seeming like hey we're just going to interview Flores as a formality even though you can argue he's a top 10 coach in the NFL right now after what he's done these past three years in Miami so Matt just it's a lot to uncover there man but overall what are your thoughts on these allegations and what Flores has done uh, over the past 24 hours basically?
1: We all know how I feel about Vic Fangio. He's an awful piece of shit that doesn't deserve a job in the NFL, definitely doesn't deserve a job as a head coach. I think they made a mistake. I think not hiring Flores was the the wrong move there because we saw how Fangio just absolutely had no business doing that job. Now, that's oversight on the Denver Broncos. And when you come into a meeting and you, you know, you're hungover, maybe you're not going to take what this guy has as seriously as you should. But with that being said, I think the biggest issue here with the Rooney rule is the fact that it's disrespectful to African Americans to force teams to interview them if they have absolutely no desire to hire them. You shouldn't be brought into an interview because you're black, because you're Asian, because you're Latino, because you're a minority. You should be brought in because you deserve the shot. So forcing these teams, if say I'm a general manager and Brian D- Dable's my guy from the very beginning, I'm gonna hire him no matter what. I'm not doing any other interviews except Dable, right? But I have to bring in two minority candidates just for the hell of it. And I'm not going to give them a real interview because I'm not hiring them. It's disrespectful and it's wrong. So the Rooney rule in itself needs to be stripped away and replaced with some other avenue of um, you know diversity, training or opportunity, maybe the better word. But with that also being said, we saw what Mike Tomlin has done in still with the steelers and in pittsburgh he's phenomenal i think flores has a great opportunity to continue to coach in this league and to be a good coach he just needs the right opportunity and that kind of what brings me to the open vacancy right now that we kind of haven't really addressed because it's not really a sexy position but down in, in Texas with the Texans, you have a great opportunity with a, the general manager who was formerly with the Patriots, with a team that needs an identity, with Deshaun Watson, a black NFL quarterback who loves Flores, right, from all that we've heard. I think this is the team to sign him. You bring him in, you rally the locker room around his ability to lead and his ability to stand up for what is ultimately right, and you lock him in with former Patriots brass and you give him Deshaun Watson. Maybe that is enough to bring Deshaun Watson back and bring this team back to relevance, But I think the biggest issue here is NFL teams, they usually know who their guy is next. Like, look at Hackett in Denver right now. They made the conscious effort because they want Aaron Rodgers and they want to reinvigorate that offense. A defensive coach didn't work. So the idea of bringing Flores to Denver, maybe this season, out of the question, I don't think they interviewed him, right? You look at the Vikings right now bringing Harbaugh in. They want Harbaugh. Why force them to interview anybody else outside of the guy that they want and i think those are the situations we have seen with flores is ultimately these teams were bringing him in because of the rooney rule and caldwell could be the same way i thought i saw caldwell have two or three different interviews this season they weren't hiring caldwell he was simply there as the token rooney rule guy and the rule was set into place for a productive process here and it it hasn't worked at all and i think flores lawsuit is it's a good thing for the nfl because they need to revisit this rule and honestly there are a lot of you know african american latino coaches out there that deserve jobs but they're not going to get jobs if their interviews are always a joke they're only going to get them if their if their merit has warranted it
0: Yeah, and their interviews are going to be, you know, they're not going to have confidence because why would they? It's like, oh, they're just having me in here as a formality. I was watching ESPN this morning and they had Marvin Jones on and he was talking about his frustrations of just getting, you know, one interview, just being that guy. He's coaching at Arizona State right now with Herm Edwards. Like, say what you want about Marvin Jones. He took the Bengals to the playoffs for like 10 years. Maybe he didn't win a playoff game, but... I wouldn't necessarily say he's a bad coach, right? He hasn't even had another chance in the league, and he's been out for, I what, about three, four, five years now. So it is crazy. Um, I think the saddest and biggest issue with this is it's not Goodell's fault. It's not the NFL's fault. At the end of the day, this is business. You know, there's 32 business owners who spend billions of dollars running these franchises, and they're not the best people all the time and they're not going to make the decision that's best for the team all the time. They're going to make the decision that they want to make, right? It's their decision, their money at the end of the day. So my proposed solution to all of this, because I don't think there's a way that you can force sell, like the dolphins have the more serious allegations out of everyone, out of the three situations, right? Uh, Openly tanking. If you have evidence for that, Having tampering meetings on yachts, like that's actually a chance to the NFL to force sell that team. I think the first start is this summer, right now, is the Denver Broncos are for sale, right? The Broncos are for sale today. They just announced that they are. It's time for one of the black billionaires out there. Robert Smith was the first one rumored to be interested in the Denver Broncos. A black billionaire or a black um, ownership group what it reminds me of is when magic johnson took over with his ownership group and he was the face of the ownership group for the dodgers i want to say about a decade ago roughly around there and they signed this massive deal with spectrum when i was living in orange county and that was a huge deal and it turned the franchise around and it gave diversity not only to the dodgers but to the rest of the major league baseball right that we have a difference of opinion in the ownership room because until that happens, it's going to be a lot of the same. It's going to be a slap on the wrist. It's going to be disrespectful to the African-American community, right? It just is what it is because there's a lot of great former black players, former black coaches that more than a lot of these guys deserve a shot at least at an OC position, at least at a head coach, and for sure GMs across the league. I think the first step into actually promoting change and getting a voice in the room is, is someone's got to go in with the biggest bid and take that job in Denver, own that franchise, and that's step one, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, the last thing I was going to say here is from the Dolphins allegations here. This is actually where I put this on Flores. Um, you should have you should have quit right then and there. He comes to you and offers you money to, to lose. At the end of the day, we've had this conversation multiple times. NFL owners, they're your boss. I don't really care that, you know, tanking is looked at and frowned upon in the NFL. It's it's there is no le- there's no rule going against tanking. There is nothing written in place at trying to lose football games. Flores is right that and there should have resigned. He should have came out with the story and said, I don't stand for this. Right. I think that would have had a big precedent. Um, but again, when you've worked that hard and he said on ESPN today, he's he spent his entire life trying to be a head coach. Exactly. So walking away is a little bit more challenging. But he should have quit because at the end of the day, you have to listen to your boss. If your boss wants you to lose and you choose not to and completely go against what he's saying, your ass is going to be fired. There is no way around that. Like he looks at this Dolphin situation as he was wronged. I'm sorry, you didn't do your job. You weren't hired to win ultimately, right? Look at the guy in, uh, in Texas this past year, right? For the Texans. He wasn't hired to set a foundation or to lead this team in the right direction. He was simply hired because they thought he was the best coach to lose. They gave him one year. And ultimately, if that's what a team's trying to do, if that's what the organization wants to do, it's in their best interest, right? So I think if the league really wants to take a stance on this, they need to put in rules in place for tanking as well. Uh, And Flores ultimately wasn't the right guy for the Dolphins job because when he was hired, the expectation was the Dolphins had all these picks the coming year. They were not going to be good no matter what. And they were going to capitalize on all this draft capital. Well, what happened, Flores led them to a good foundation. He built a culture and they won more games than they were supposed to, which I'm sure infuriated the front office and the owner because the expectation was we had tanked for so long. We have one le- one more year left. So Flores in miami i I think that's a mess that the nfl is going to have to sort out um i think the tampering issue is a big deal obviously because brady obviously was taking calls from multiple different teams i think there was a lot of tampering going on there i'm sure the bucks had their own tampering issues sure but ultimately i think flores is going to coach again in this league and i think the texans is the job for him and i really hope this suit doesn't hold him back from coaching over the next
0: decade But the next big news uh, for offseason news outside of Tom Brady was Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, he came out and basically said in his press conference that the Niners are going to move on from him. The Niners have denied it, but... I mean, I respect it. see. I like, I just like Jimmy, man. Like, you gotta respect him. He's just telling the truth, and he there's no ill will. He gave his little chest pump and said, "Hey, thanks for everything. The memories have been great. The up and downs, you know, it's been a really good run in San Francisco." So, Matt and I want to talk about two teams that we really like for Jimmy. Um, I'll let you go first. Make your point. We have two different opinions, but I think they're both pretty solid.
1: Yeah, we've talked a lot about this with Aaron Rodgers, and I think the Aaron Rodgers conversation falls right in line with Jimmy G, right? Because these are tiered quarterback classes when you go into this offseason based on what teams want to fill their position and who they can actually get. Well, now we know Jimmy G is going to be traded, and we know that he and the 49ers are working together to find a, a trade partner. I think the Steelers are a very realistic option here. I think the idea of getting Aaron Rodgers at this point has probably gone out the window for a lot of these teams. It's either Green Bay, Denver, or he's retiring. So with that being said, some of these other teams like Pittsburgh who thought, hey, we've got to go out and acquire a big talent or at least a a top 15 quarterback need to pivot. And Jimmy Garoppolo fits his offense very, very well. You have Claypool, you have Johnson out there, guys that can play in the slot and guys that can get quick passes. We've talked all season long. That's what Jimmy G thrives on. He came from that Patriots organization. That was really their system. Get the ball out of your hands quick and run the ball as well. With that being said, Najee Harris is also in that backfield. So I think bringing Jimmy G in for possibly a second or third round pick makes sense here. Um, and on top of that, you bring Jimmy G in for, say, two or three years, you go draft pick it. And say, Pickett, listen, you're our starting quarterback in three seasons. But in the meantime, Jimmy G is going to teach you how to play this game. He's going to teach you leadership. He learned under Brady. He also learned under Shanahan, right? That's incredible opportunity for a rookie quarterback to come into this league and learn the pedigree of the NFL. And I think, honestly, beyond that, they have to fill up that offensive line. But they're ready to win right now. If they can go out and do with the, with what the Chiefs did with drafting two offensive linemen who come in and start right away and perform at a good level, you're talking about a completely different team here. Jimmy G would make this team. I guarantee it. At least playoff contender, more so than Ben Roethlisberger did.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. They have a win now roster. They have a win now defense, that's for sure. You know, they're um, the receivers could use a little work, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, I think they have a good enough roster to compete. Really tough division, but uh, I think he'd fit well in Pittsburgh too. He seems like that kind of guy who just go to work, do his thing, make plays, try not to lose games. Um I mean, he's an upgrade from Ben, that's for sure. And I totally agree with you. If they do, maybe he's just that quarterback for the rest of his career who's just there to groom a young quarterback and we move on from you. Because you know what? That that makes the most sense for the type of quarterback that he actually is. So My situation is a little different than that. I don't have a draft plan for this team. I think this is another possible win now team, and that is the New Orleans Saints. So Brady's gone, right? Brady's out of there. The Bucs are going to pretty much be in shambles, I think, for at least the next two seasons, if not longer, due to their cap issues and their players are going to go get paid and and leave because Tom's not there. Uh, The Saints have a Super Bowl-ready defense right now. They have a Pro Bowl running back, Alvin Kamara. They have a Pro Bowl wide receiver in Mike Thomas. And they probably are going to get a solid head coach in there. I think they're going to hire... internally which is great for the team and I, I like the Saints as an organization I think they're a really solid team I think Jimmy would come on maybe a prove-it deal or you know I think a little bit of a bargain because he said I just want to play on a team that's ready to win now and I think New Orleans has a legitimate shot at winning that division next year so what's your biggest competition Sam Darnold and Carolina like I'll take that New Orleans defense and Jimmy G led offense with Kamara and Thomas to to bat with me every single day over those teams like I'd probably pick them as the favorite with Jimmy at quarterback in this offseason. Well, and I think
1: the the outlier here, maybe the dark horse that we're not talking about right now, Maybe the Buccaneers go out and trade for Jimmy, yeah. right? Maybe they say, hey, we we have no option right now at quarterback. Blaine Gabbard is not going to be the guy that steps in and takes this job. And we have a roster that was built to win in 2023, right? 2022, 2023 season. And we have no choice but to go out and get Jimmy G. Because outside of Jimmy G, who are we talking about here, right? Uh, Carr probably isn't going anywhere i can't imagine the new new regime in vegas is going to trade car (laughs) so i think there's definitely gonna be some places for him to go i'm curious does he does he require a first does he require a second right because when he went to the 49ers it was only a second round pick so honestly the 49ers have rented him for what three four seasons now and are going to get back that pick in my opinion
0: yeah they paid him though they they uh they paid him a pretty solid penny. He's in the 20 million range right now. So, I think he'll take a significant uh cut in his pay. I don't disagree with you though. I think that's definitely a dark horse spot. Uh you know, we talked as well Denver possibly too if Rodgers falls through on that trade option and it would be a good trade for San Fran not putting him in um the NFC as well because that's the last thing you want is to go up against your guy in the playoffs, right? On to the diamond, my friend, or I guess just the business meetings, because that's all we have right now between the MLB P- PA and the ownership in Major League Baseball. I'm going to let you take control of this. All I saw was uh, Jeff Passan from ESPN. He's basically been heading a lot of this coverage on Twitter and social media, basically said that it's inevitable that we're not going to start spring training on time. They're inching closer to an agreement, but right now the agreement's still not close. What are the big things that you've been reading on and listening to um, about why baseball is still in this lockout?
1: Yeah, so a few things that are kind of like almost official without the signatures being wet on paper right now. It looks like DH, universal DH, is going to be a thing moving forward in Major League Baseball. It's a huge win. That's something me and you have talked about um, repetitively. Now, the way this is going to change is free agency still going on. We have a lot of guys still available. You're going to have an entire National League that may not be ready for this rule. And I think this is going to actually heat up free agency right as this contract is signed. You're going to have guys in Milwaukee, Cincinnati, you know, all across the board, the Giants, the Dodgers. These teams need to bring in talent to fill that role every single day. Then Chris Taylor was just signed by the Dodgers as well this past uh, offseason as we were talking about. Right. It. Now you have a, p- a place for him and Gavin Lux to play together, kind of give him rest. This is huge for the overall league, and it's something we've wanted to see. It's going to protect pitchers. How many pitchers in the last, you know, five years have we seen gone down either running to first or just in general getting hurt at bat? So that is a rule that we're going to see moving forward. A uh, big change, something else we talked about, kind of as well, almost official, the uh, Players Union and the league has kind of agreed to move past this, was the free agent year. So the argument for the Players Association was they wanted a specific year, whether it be age 26, 27, to be the year that you enter free agency, no matter when you were brought up. So that means if you're a 25-year-old and you're brought up because you took longer the minor leagues to develop... You would be able to enter free agency within two years of coming to the pros. That's fantastic, right? That gives you the opportunity to go out and show up real quickly, make your money. They've gone against that. It's going to still be the six years of team control, uh, which is a big blow for the Players Association. This was a rule that I expected to change, and I honestly expected to hold things up it looks like they realized real quick, this wasn't a rule that the front office was willing to take. So it will still be six, uh, six years of team control big for teams as well. It's not going to shake up some of the rosters that you currently see in major league baseball as quickly as it might have. But as far as when we're going to see signing these teams, um, I don't think we'll be playing possibly until may uh, June at the absolute latest, but free, but spring training is absolutely being pushed back at this point. Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report here in about two weeks. That's not happening. So we're going to have everything pushed back. I would say within the next 30 days, we do see something signed. Um, I, I don't know exactly the longevity. They may do a three or four year deal, kind of pushing negotiations into the future for some of these more like solidified cornerstone pieces that they are negotiating. But the DH is the biggest one that is going to impact this coming season. And it's exciting for the league.
0: Yeah, and you know how I am when it comes to baseball. I'm a more of the purest of the baseball fan, uh, which is the minority at this point in time in 2022, right? Everyone wants to see the home runs, Uh, but I see the benefit in it. And from what you're saying, to me, what I get out of that is it sounds like the MLB PA in the ownership group, you know, they've been at it with these two issues, and the owners were like, "Hey, we'll give you this. We'll give you the DH." But you're going to have to wait for that six years. Maybe in the next one, that's what we do here. But we're not giving you both in one agreement. And clearly, the owners are willing to sit and wait and wait and wait because they don't want... At the end of the day, they're going to have to spend more money anyways on guys with a contract a year earlier, right? So obviously, the bottom line makes sense for them and why it's not working. Uh, My last question before we move on to basketball to close it out is... Are we still going to have 162 then? Is this going to be like if we start in June, how the hell are we going to get all the way uh, through 162 games without the, the season finishing when it's snowing outside?
1: Yeah, June is uh worst case scenario. It's Armageddon for baseball. The projection <laughs> right now is at one, 155. They are projecting... Hopefully a mid-April, early May start. Okay, which I, I do think is reasonable. But you're going to need these two sides to sit down and hash something out within the next two weeks. You need it done two weeks. Okay. There, there is no more time. Like you have to get pitchers and catchers reporting within a week after it being signed um th- what they're really arguing about right now is is financial um like bonus pools they're they're arguing about you know overall free agency caps it's it's money based now which is always, always the hardest part of the negotiations and i mean there are hundreds of thousands of dollars in these pools per player off i don't really know the details currently so you know as the listener as you're listening to this just know it's money based they're gonna have to make li- uh Anyway, each time they sit down, each time they sit down, they're gonna have to close that gap significantly so that they're arguing over fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, you know, in two weeks from now. And I think that gets done. But 155 is kind of the overall projection within the market itself. And I think we see that. It's just gonna be a ramped up spring training. We're probably gonna have two and a half, three weeks of spring training, and you're gonna have the first month of baseball ultimately being knocked the rust off. And I think ultimately, that's fine. We've seen that in the past two years now with COVID. There have been a lot of issues. And I think COVID set this season up well because the baseball players in general have had to stay prepared in the offseason, more so than they have in the past.
0: All right, last bit of news on the pod today. Got to get to the hardwood, man. I was watching TNT. They do their TNT Tuesdays over there now. And uh, the night game last night was the Phoenix Suns versus Brooklyn. Brooklyn has uh, a solid squad again, but KD's hurt and their local laws aren't letting Kyrie play at home. And I just watched Phoenix last night, man, and they're so much better. They're so much better than they were last season. They were not a joke. They were not a fluke. It was no accident. Cheap ass championship for the Bucs or the Suns if they were to win last year. Um, dude, Devin Booker and Chris Paul are just playing out of their minds. 50 games into the season, 41 and nine for the Phoenix Suns right now. Mikhail Bridges playing great. Cam Johnson, DeAndre Ayton's been a little hurt, but man, the Suns are back. Right now, halfway through the season, Matt. Like I have them going to the finals again out of the West. I don't give a rat's ass about the Lakers. Uh, Utah has fallen apart. Joe Ingles tore his ACL, and you know Mitchell and Gobert. I just don't think that marriage is going to last much longer. We'll get to that here once we get more basketball coverage. And other than that, man, you know it's John Morant and the Grizzlies, which it's a great story, but they're not ready yet right now. So, man, I just want to give a shout-out to the Phoenix Suns. You and I got after it last year during the playoffs about Chris Paul. You were, you know, you were way more on Chris Paul's side than I am. Um, my top five list has changed as this year has gone, but as far as point guards go, I don't know if I'd want any other point guard on my team than Chris Paul right now, Matt. He's playing lights out
1: yeah and it's the regular season you know i I want to just put that out there and and say we've seen teams like the milwaukee bucks like the golden state warriors dominate the regular season right and i think this season it's it's open bag for the west the suns clearly are out there running in the front of the pack but what golden state is doing is going to be in my opinion the only challenger for them in the playoffs and as it stands right now, team basketball being played efficiently. Yeah. The Suns are doing it better than Golden State. But the problem is if Golden State gets hot, right? We have seen this and said this how many times? If Curry and Clay and Andrew Wiggins can dominate that game from the three-point arc and work it down low to Wiggins, it's gonna be hard for the Suns to beat that for the simple fact that Chris Paul's older. When's the injury coming? I right. Know. I hate saying that. I, I hate saying that, I hate saying that, but when is the injury coming? He has been so dominant for so long, but every season there's an injury. Right in the playoffs last year, he fought through fatigue and partial injury. Uh, I think the biggest thing for the Suns right now is watch these minutes. Watch Chris Paul's minutes. Make sure when it's playoff basketball time, Chris Paul is ready to go, because it is again their opportunity to get back to the finals, and what that can do for the organization and what it can do for Chris Paul's legacy. He may not win. He may not need to win. In NBA finals to have his legacy cemented right because that's what everyone has said throughout the years Chris Paul needs the ring on his finger he needs to hoist the trophy well if you lead the Phoenix Suns to back-to-back finals that to me is more so said than a championship like that is huge to be able to do for an organization like that and ultimately we need to watch more of Devin Booker's progression right he needs to continue to progress and can, needs to continue to find that leadership role himself so that he's not having games where he just completely disappears but Come playoff basketball. We're gonna know more about who these teams are. Again, I'm not a big believer in the regular season, as we've seen from the Lakers and some sure. of the other teams. The Bucks are the perfect example. They're out there practicing as you had said it to me when we were hanging out this past weekend. Um, it, it's easier to dominate, especially when you have a chip on your shoulder, right? When you know that you should have won a championship the year before and it just kind of slightly slipped through your fingers because Giannis had the best game he's ever had. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's gotta be motivating for them. And I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see these, these smaller market organizations continue to. To thrive but again that's what happens when you acquire maybe a top 15 basketball player of all time Chris Paul is the greatest point guard of this generation and he's showing that this season with his efficiency
0: yeah and I'm glad you said that because you're like oh he needs to win to cement his legacy and this is what's nice about basketball compared to the MLB Hall of Fame like yeah there's more guys that get in but just because Allen Iverson didn't win a title is he not going in the Hall of Fame right you know, like just because Chris Paul doesn't win a title and he loses to arguably the best player in basketball at that time, is it his fault at 36, 37, however he is? Like, I, in my eyes, he's cemented. I'm a little bit of a hater when it comes to him, right? Like, he rubs me the wrong way. But as a basketball fan, and when you do just yesterday, he's out there slicing and dicing these guys, and he's. He could be some of their dads, man. Like, you know, there's some young kids out there, and there's something to be said about that. I love Phoenix right now, again. I'm scared as a Bucks fan, again, right? But, man, Phoenix is playing with a chip on their shoulder. If Chris can stay healthy, I, I've got them locked up to go all the way back to the dance this year in the, in the Western Conference. And, oh, boy, will those crocodile tears from LeBron James be coming here. We're February 2nd, Matt. I mean, we're... Mm. I'd say by the end of the month, March 1st, we'll really start finding out what the what the Lakers are really made of because LeBron just keeps getting nicked up. AD keeps getting nicked up, and they freaking made their bed. They got to sleep in it, bro. Those replacements are Carmelo Anthony, Talon Horton Tucker, and a bunch of other. Stanley Johnson's their best player right now besides LeBron, who's an OC kid, man. like It might get rough out there in La La Land. LeBron might not make it. To play with his son in the NBA, which is his goal. (laughs) Well,
1: and the last thing I'll say about Chris Paul, because we've got to wrap it here, is that kudos to him for we're playing with Phoenix. We are seeing in Brooklyn right now what what teaming up really does, right? We're seeing in L.A. what teaming up really does when it goes wrong. And the drama isn't there in in uh, phoenix and good to chris paul like he's leading this organization yes with devin booker but then with a bunch of guys that are finding their footing in the nba that are finding their own identity that are creating their own narrative right he's not playing with james Harden and kyrie irving and kevin durant out there good job for chris paul to finish his career on his own team i think that is huge for the league and i think it's huge for chris paul's legacy because it didn't work out in houston but it is working out in phoenix
0: awesome point no that's a great way to wrap it i love that All right, everyone. We appreciate you. Next week, we're going pretty much full Super Bowl coverage. Uh, I'm already looking into prop bets that I like. We're going to make our picks. We're going to have a pitcher bet. We're going to put the pitcher bet on pause this weekend. We couldn't find anything that was worth it to bet on, so we didn't want to give a half-ass pitcher bet. We'll do one next week for sure on the Super Bowl and some of our favorite props, but like and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at pitcherbetpod. Send us a DM with any questions, any suggestions, or if you just want us to bring something up on the next podcast. We appreciate you guys. You have a great weekend. We'll see you Tuesday.